Before I begin the sermon proper, I just wanted to point something out. You know how Peter in the first reading from Acts tells the crowd that these disciples can't be drunk because it's 9 o'clock in the morning? Well, I don't know what college Peter went to, but I've been to college, and a 9 a.m. buzz was not unheard of. For much of my life, I have been wary of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what is it exactly? We can conjure up an image of Jesus in our head, a long-haired hippie with sandals and a brown robe. And we can picture God in our mind, old white dude with a flowing beard and white robes, usually sitting down on a throne. However male-centric or Eurocentric these images are, they are what have been handed down to us by Western culture. But the Holy Spirit, what is that? White dove kind of flying around? Maybe at the end of a metal rod with red streamers attached to it that we wave about? Or maybe a wispy woman dancing in the sky a la Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac with all her scarves? Or maybe it's that smoky mist you get from dry ice at a rock concert, except with a sense of purpose and direction. What is the Holy Spirit? I thought I had witnessed its presence in 2009 when I took part in a four-day seminarian's mission trip to an Anglican church in Piedras Negras, Mexico. It's just on the other side of Eagle Pass, Texas. Our visit there culminated with the Sunday Eucharist. We'd been warned that their worship style was more on the Pentecostal end of the spectrum. But we figured it was Anglican. So how crazy could it get? Well, about 15 minutes into the sermon, with the praise band crescendoing the crowd into a frenzy of clapping and singing, Father Miguel suddenly came down the center aisle of the small church and started smacking people on the forehead so that one by one they crumbled to the floor slain in the spirit. It was as if they were puppets whose strings had all been let go at once. Down they fell. All of us seminarians were wide-eyed with wonder. We couldn't believe it. Then a few of us saw something. As one woman was slain, she paused in her fall just long enough to adjust her bra strap. <laughs> That was all we needed. The spell was broken. Our eyes narrowed back into their skeptical, know-it-all, Episcopal seminary program slits. And I left that church even more confused about the presence of the Holy Spirit, though it had been a great mission trip. And my wariness only deepens when I see the ways some Christians try to describe the Holy Spirit's work as if she's just waiting around for the right moment to act and meet our needs. When I was unemployed as a priest for three years, applying everywhere I could and getting rejection after rejection after rejection, friends would console me by saying, oh, you know, that job must not have been right for you. The Holy Spirit is guiding you to something better. She will eventually bring to you the perfect fit for your future ministry. 
Well, maybe. But their comments made me kind of cranky. And I wanted to respond with, or maybe the spirit did her part and that search committee screwed up and hired the wrong person. Or maybe I'm just not cut out to be a priest and that's why no one's hiring me. Isn't that just as plausible? Or maybe the spirit has more important things to do than finding me the perfect job. Why did this make me so cranky? I think it's because I did not want to rely on some amorphous entity I could neither explain nor understand to be the arbiter of my fate. See, my faith in the spirit has always been so fragile and tentative. And to tie its existence to my success felt like setting us both up for failure. Besides, I don't really believe the Holy Spirit's main goal is to make straight the path before us. Frankly, any time we interpret God to suit our needs, we risk idolatry, creating God in our own image by attributing to God our longings or our spiritual Amazon wish lists. But God will not be neatly wrapped up and packaged that way. In fact, the Holy Spirit, if she's going to be of any use, will conform to none of our meager expectations. Peter quotes the prophet Joel in today's reading, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall have visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit. In other words, when the Holy Spirit arrives, don't expect a sweet babbling brook to come trickling down upon the crown of your head to inspire and renew you. It will cascade down on you like Niagara Falls. Dreams and visions and prophecies will spring forth from you at the time of your transformation by the Spirit. And she will not show up at an hour convenient for you. Nor will she land on only a chosen few. Slaves, women, foreigners, Cretans, Arabs, people of all lands, all languages will be struck. And not struck dumb, but struck uncontrollably verbal. Spouting an avalanche of gibberish, miraculously comprehensible to everyone who hears it. That first Pentecost of our Christian faith was not a neat and tidy affair, ladies and gentlemen. It was a hot mess of fire tongues and confusion and awe. So while my belief in the Holy Spirit is tenuous, my deepest wish is that when she arrives, she be fierce and unrelenting in nature. Because that's the kind of spiritual water pressure that just might save and transform us. So part one of my message to you today is this. Stop trying to control the Holy Spirit so as to make things go your way. Spirit is at work in your life. Your job is to step aside and let it, however risky that may be. It may take you places you don't want to go. But how do we know when it's the Holy Spirit whispering and not our own voice? You know, I'm not sure. Sorry. 
praying about it can help you differentiate between your voice and God's. I will say this at least. If you have ever felt compelled to do something you really didn't want to do, but it wouldn't leave you alone, and your doing it would be a benefit to others, that might be the Holy Spirit. It certainly was my experience with the priesthood. And here's part two of my message. Do not underestimate the ferocity of the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost, traditionally the birthday of the church, when the Spirit's flames danced on the heads of the disciples and all gathered around them, strengthening them to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in the world. I've been in churches where we've had cake and balloons after the Pentecost service, like it's a birthday party, sweet and fun. Happy birthday, church. But like I said, that is not always how the Spirit shows up. In today's Gospel from John, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So when the Holy Spirit arrives, she's going to tell you the truths even Jesus didn't want to tell you. Think about that for a minute. (laughs) Also, Remember that those gathered at Pentecost were hit by an overwhelming supernatural force. A rush of violent wind fills the place. Tongues of fire rain down from heaven upon their heads. A fire of burning and of cleansing. And they begin to speak in many tongues, though all the Jews from many lands understand it as praise to God in their own language. I picture those first disciples on that day thrashing about in their encounter with the Spirit, so much so that the onlookers thought they were stinking drunk. Please turn to your bulletin cover. What I love about the painting on the cover of our bulletin is how eerie and otherworldly it seems. When I saw it at first I thought, oh, we're having two sweet infant baptisms today. What are the parents and godparents going to think when they see this image of the first time the Holy Spirit descended on the church? Do they think their babies will turn into green-eyed zombies at the baptismal font? Will they change their minds and run out the door, infants in hand? But you see, receiving the Holy Spirit is serious business. I would say this painting is very appropriate especially if you think of the martyrdom these disciples would soon receive after this first Pentecost day. The Holy Spirit will not always be sweet and tender. Sometimes it will seize you and you will fall down, or it will shake you relentlessly until you finally listen. Fire, wind, the water in which we are baptized with the Holy Spirit and die so we may be reborn. The Spirit can be fierce. We've got to stop trying to domesticate it because we're afraid of how we might be transformed. Stop trying to domesticate the Holy Spirit in your life because you're afraid of how you might be transformed. Let her do her work. And trust that you will be forged into something new and pleasing to God. Because the Spirit will reach you where you most need to be found and in the form you most need to receive. As air that inspires you, or water that splashes you awake, or fire that makes you brave when you need to be. 
May the Holy Spirit ever flow through your life, sweeping you along in its current of transformation. Amen.